Zephaniah. Okay, let's read that together. <laughs> the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off this place, the remnant of Baal, and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests, those who bow down on the roofs to the hosts of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on, the, and on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. <clears throat> Though they build houses, they shall not inhibit it. They shall not inhibit them, inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cry, cries along, aloud there. A day of wrath is, on, is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commandments. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and, Ek and Akron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nations of the Shedarites. The words of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. The seacoast shall become the position of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall gaze, and in the houses of Eshkelon they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. 
I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Amorites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will, he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in the midst, all kinds of beasts, all even the owls and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window, devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lived securely, that said in her heart, I am, and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice, she accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me, you will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. <clears throat> for at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. Then all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my, worship, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will, remove, I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall they be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall gaze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid." Sing aloud, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with your heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, I shall be said, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let your hands grow weak. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. 
Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Father, we thank you that you are good. That you love your people and remain in relationship with them even when they break their covenant. Even when they don't do what you tell them to do. And we thank you that you don't just let them get away with sin, but that you, you discipline your people. There is, there is judgment. You are, you are just. And so we pray this morning as we, <clears throat> as we look at the minor prophets together, as we look at the book of Zephaniah, that you would uh, just help us to, to benefit from your word this morning. As we, we look at Zephaniah's prophecy, that you would teach us more about who you are and about what you desire from your people, about what you, what you want from us in this world. I pray you would also help us to see that even though you are just, you're also gracious and merciful, that you provide a way of redemption. You provide restoration for your people uh, after the judgment has fallen. So we pray that you would just meet with us this morning, that you would send your spirit um, to empower us together to, to learn from your word this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Zephaniah, we're, we're kind of, we're getting there. After this, three books left in the Minor Prophets. Um, and so Last week we were in Habakkuk. Zephaniah is, is pretty much the same, same kind of general time period, around, around 620 BC. It's about 100 years after the northern kingdom fell. And, and I, I think that's important because, you know, like when, when I think about kind of the history of God's people in the Old Testament, like once, once the northern kingdom gets taken out, I kind of think, like, what is wrong with the people in the south? You know, like if, if God, like, through his prophets, poured out judgment on, like, the western half of the United States. I would hope that we would be like, hey, people, we kind of needed to get it together, or this is going to happen to us, too. Like, you would think that, like, they would have completely, you know, gotten in line. Um, and so when we see a book like Zephaniah, where, where he's, he's pouring out judgment on them now, we're kind of, like, I, I always ask, like, what, like, why? Like, they just saw it happen to the northern kingdom, but the reality is a hundred years has passed. And so after, <coughs> after the northern kingdom fell, Hezekiah became king in Judah. And uh, he instituted reforms. He, he changed things. He kind of led a spiritual revival in the land. And, and things really started to turn around. But then after Hezekiah, there's this king named Manasseh. And, and he had two things going for him. The first thing was that he was the worst king ever in Judah like morally speaking. The second thing he had going for him is that he had the longest reign out of any king. And so you have this kind of massive event happening in the northern kingdom. Hezekiah takes over as king in the south. He institutes these reforms. Things start to turn around. And then this bad king comes in who reigns forever. And things go bad. And then Amen comes after him. He has a really short reign. Uh, and then after him is Josiah, who starts to kind of turn the ship back. He, he wants to, to bring about some of those reforms that Hezekiah started to institute in the land. And so this is the point that, that Habakkuk and also 
uh, Zephaniah are prophesying. They're prophesying during the reign of Josiah. And if you noticed in those names we read in verse 1, Zephaniah is is a son, a descendant of Hezekiah as well. And so he is prophesying, maybe alongside Josiah, trying to help turn the nation uh, the main focus for this book is, is the coming day of the Lord. And as we've seen in the Minor Prophets, the day of the Lord is going to bring judgment for the nations, but it's also going to bring judgment for the people of God. Like originally in the Minor Prophets, that was kind of like a surprise for them. It was a shock. Like they thought, like, bring on the day of the Lord. We want that judgment for all those nations outside of us. But at this point of the Minor of the Prophets, people have, have started to get it. It's, it's not a surprise. It's not a shock anymore. The day of the Lord is going to bring judgment both for the people of God and for the nations around them. And so Zephaniah is announcing judgment on Judah, and he's announcing judgment on the nations around them. It's also clear through Zephaniah, especially at the end, that, that God, uh, even though this judgment is going to fall on Judah, he's still going to uphold his side of the covenant. There's going to be a way of redemption. There's going to be restoration for this, this remnant that's going to survive and, and be preserved through this judgment. So, after the, the introduction where Zephaniah says who he is, who he's related to, and, and kind of what he's doing in this book, uh, verses 2 and 3 announce this judgment that's coming. It says it's going to be devastating. It will it'll sweep away everything, man and beast, birds and fish. Even the rubble is going to be swept away in this judgment. We find out what the focus of this judgment is in verse 4. It says, God is stretching out his hand against Judah and Jerusalem. So his focus is on pouring out judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. We find out why. It says he's, he's cutting off the remnant of Baal and, and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests themselves. So because of their idolatry, they, they bow down on roofs and they worship false gods. It says they, they swear to the Lord, but they also swear to Milcom. Milcom is the name of this, this pagan god of the Ammonites. So they're, they're worshiping, they're claiming to worship the Lord, but they're also worshiping false gods. And so this, this judgment, this utterly devastating judgment is coming to Judah and Jerusalem because of the idolatry of the people, because they've turned back from following him. It says they, they don't seek the Lord and they don't even inquire of him. Because of this, Zephaniah says, the day of the Lord is near. So he calls the people to, to reverent silence. It says the Lord has, has prepared a, a sacrifice. He's, he's consecrated the guests for this assembly. And on that day, he's going to punish the king's sons and the officials. He's going to punish those who kind of lead the house, lead the people of God. He's punishing the leaders specifically. He's holding them accountable for what they've done. And it says that he'll, he'll punish those who leap over the threshold, which seems like a, an odd thing to single out. But this was a, a idolatrous kind of superstitious practice. And so, you know, you've probably all heard the expression, right? Step on a crack, break your mother's back. It's a huge deal in elementary school. (laughs) But what if, what if one of us actually believed that was true? Right? We lived our lives on the basis of there's this spiritual force out there that if I ever step on a crack on a sidewalk, anywhere, my mom's back gets broken. 
That's what this leaping over the threshold was like. They, they legitimately believed if they didn't do this, this, this pagan, idolatrous, false god was going to like strike them down or punish them or bad things were going to happen in their life. So this, is, this isn't an idle thing. This isn't an unimportant thing. This is a, a tangible way in which the people of God were trying to mix worshiping the Lord with, with other things. So he's holding them accountable for their, their beliefs and, and the practice of those beliefs. It says that on that day, when, when the judgment comes, cries will be heard from, from one end of the city to the other end. He mentions the gates. It's going to be in the areas surrounding the city. God's going to search through the city and punish the complacent. And notice, notice how he describes their complacence. It says that they, they don't think that the Lord will do good or bad. So they, they just kind of don't really think about him. They don't, they don't think he's going to do anything. They just kind of ignore him and don't have thoughts of God. It says that they'll have their, their goods plundered, their houses destroyed. Others are going to live in their homes. Others are going to drink from their vineyards. We've seen this already in the Minor Prophets, but this is a, a reversal of some of the promises that God gave to the people when they were entering the Promised Land. He said they were going to go in and they were going to benefit from, from gardens that other people had planted. They're going to drink from vineyards that other people had planted. They were going to live in houses that other people had built. They were going to get uh, the blessings that another people had done the work for. But now, God said when they went into the land, if they didn't keep the covenant, if they broke the covenant, he would take them out of the land. All of those promises of the promised land are getting reversed as these people are about to be exiled out of Judah and Jerusalem. So they've broken the covenant and, and exactly what God said would happen is happening. In verse 14, Zephaniah again stresses the nearness of the day of the Lord. This is this is more urgent at this point of the Minor Prophets than it was earlier in the Minor Prophets. Uh, Babylon's oppression of Judah and Jerusalem would start in about 15 years from this point. So people that are alive, people that are, that are hearing Zephaniah's prophecy would have experienced its fulfillment firsthand. He says it's going to be a bitter day. Even, even the mightiest men will be terrified. And then he gives all these adjectives. It's a day of wrath, distress, anguish, ruin, devastation, darkness, gloom, clouds, thick darkness, of trumpet blast and battle cry. It says that men will walk blind because of their sin. Their, their blood will be poured out like dust. Their bodies are going to be cast aside like dung. And their gold and silver won't save them from the wrath of the Lord on that day. And then chapter one closes with this statement. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Something we need to understand is that this, this could be the last verse of the Bible. And God could be perfectly just. Right? We, 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 don't, we don't deserve anything better than that. Right? If, if God isn't gracious, if, if he isn't merciful, if he doesn't do for us and for his people what they can't do for themselves, then, then judgment is, is all we get. But thankfully... 
Neither Zephaniah nor the Bible ends this way. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. He calls the people to assemble before this, this decree takes effect. Before the day passes away. It says, before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon them. What, what should they do? Seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Do these things in the hope that, that they may be hidden on the day of the Lord's anger. He's, he's giving them a way to avoid this judgment that's coming. The judgment is going to come. But he's saying he, he will preserve some people through this judgment. And then the focus shifts to what happens to the nations around Judah, and then he's going to come back to his people at the end. So verses four or five through seven of, of chapter two, they kind of list these, these cities and regions in, in the, of, of the Philistines, and then eight and nine deal with Moab and the Ammonites, and then, then later we get the Cushites and the Assyrians. So he's, he's talking about these nations around the people of God, but I, I'm, going to, I'm going to read through them, and I want you to notice what's going to happen with these nations and, and particularly their land and their possessions. <clears throat> so he says, For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon. Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures, with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which <coughs> they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon, they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. So God is going to take out the Philistines, and then, then their land, their fields, their stuff, the people of God, that, that God is going to be mindful of, that he's going to restore their fortunes, they're going to, going to be there. He says, I've heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever." The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. So some people are going to be preserved through this judgment, and God is going to use them to, you know, benefit from his judgment on these nations. It says, this shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down, each in its place, all the lands of the nations." You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst. All kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog, shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. So he's going to take out the Cushites, he's going to take out the Assyrians, and then their land is going to become, going to become fields, right? It's going to become a, a, a place where his creation can thrive and flourish once the nations are done away with. It says, devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lives securely, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild, wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes her fist. So the nations are going to be dealt with. 
God is going to pour out judgment on them, but there's this, this remnant of his people that are going to survive and after the judgment has fallen, thrive and flourish under him. Chapter three, the focus shifts to Jerusalem. He says it's, it's rebellious and defiled. It's, it's the oppressing city. Which if, if you read the Old Testament and, and all the things that God told to his people, right? When, when he talks about, about his heart for the, for the poor and needy, right? his people's city should never have been known as the oppressing city. But he says they, they, they don't listen. They don't receive correction. They, they don't trust in the Lord and they don't draw near to him. It says the rulers are, are roaring lions who attack prey. The judges are, are evening wolves who, who devour everything. The prophets are, are fickle and treacherous. And the priests profane the holy and do violence to the law. But the Lord, Zephaniah says, he is righteous. He does no injustice. And then in verse 6, he starts to kind of recount how God had poured out judgment on, on the nations. And how, how, you know, surely then his people will fear him. They'll, they'll see what he does to the nations around him. And, and, and then they'll receive correction. He says if, if, if they would, then, then their dwelling would not be cut off. Then they would avoid judgment. But the people were just all the more eager to be corrupt. And so they, they saw the other nations condemned. And then they thought we can just use this to make ourselves better and stronger and more powerful and more wealthy. So the Lord calls them to wait to wait for the day when he rises to take his prey. His prey in this situation is Jerusalem. He's going to gather nations. He's going to assemble kingdoms. And he's going to pour out his wrath on them, all his burning anger. But the good news is that this judgment is going to be a purifying judgment He's going to leave by a remnant that worships the Lord. He's going to remove the, the proud and the haughty and leave the humble and lowly. And they will seek refuge in him. They, they won't do injustice. They won't lie. Instead, they'll, they'll graze and, and lie down and no one will make them afraid. And they'll rejoice. They'll rejoice because of verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against them. And he's cleared away their enemies. And, and he says that the, the king of Israel, the, the Lord himself, will, will be in their midst so they don't ever have to fear evil again. Then Zephaniah tells them that, that after, after this judgment has fallen, that there's going to be this future restoration. And as we read through this, we'll, we'll see that this is a future restoration that we also are waiting for. It says, one day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. 
At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is what God is going to do for his people. And notice, notice how he feels about them. He's going to rejoice over them with, with gladness. He's going to quiet them with his love. He's going to exult over them with loud singing. This isn't, this isn't ambivalence. This isn't indifference. Even after all his people have done, he still loves them. And he longs for the day when he can bring them into his presence and pour it out on them. And because of Jesus, this is the future that we have as the people of God. The book ends there instead of chapter one. Judgment is coming for the people of God in Zephaniah's time, but redemption is possible. Restoration is possible. And so the call for them is is to seek the Lord, to seek righteousness, to seek humility, to, to do what he's called them to do. And for us, that looks like trusting in Jesus, to to walk in obedience, to live like he calls us to live. The reality of Zephaniah and the reality for us is that rejecting God ends only in judgment. But believing in Jesus ends with, with us, with him, and him rejoicing over us. Not because of how great we are, But because for for some reason, because of Jesus, he decides to love us. He says that all the wrongs, all all the oppressors, all the evil will be done away with. That's the future that's in store for us as the people of God. And so let's worship him for, for who he is and what he's done for us as we continue in our service this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, that, that your story, that, that our story doesn't end at the end of Zephaniah 1. That, that judgment isn't the only outcome, but that you've made a way for us to, 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 to pass through the judgment, for us to be saved through it, for... for us to, to be a remnant, for us to be restored and, and redeemed as your people. Thank you that you have a, a glorious future and a glorious present in store for your people. Father, we thank you that you're not indifferent or ambivalent towards us. But because of your love for us, you sent your son to make a way for us to be brought back into relationship with you so that you could lavish your love on us. We pray that you would send your spirit this morning to to help us respond rightly to your word this morning. That we would be encouraged, built up, and and most of all reminded of, of who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen.